we have an existential threat. We are in a situation where if we don't act quickly, we're going to basically lose almost everything we have. You tell them, Joe. You're right. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, it's the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas, on KPSQ, in Seattle, on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF, amongst other fine affiliates across this great land of ours. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Anyone want to challenge me on that? <laughs> they might. They might, but uh, I won't. But you can. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. I appreciate that. If you'd like to challenge me, of course, you can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Always happy to hear from you. Meanwhile, as our man-child chaos president continues to hope that you don't notice how wildly incompetent and dangerous his failed criminal president presidency actually is... Over the weekend, the planet's climate system sounded simultaneous alarms. Did you notice them? Don't worry. We're here to help. (laughs) Near the uh, entrance to the Arctic Ocean in northwest Russia, the temperature surged to 84 degrees Fahrenheit. In uh, checks uh, notes here, where are we here? May, mid May, mid May, 84 degrees in the Arctic. Hotter in the Arctic than it is in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, yeah, it is. Meanwhile, the concentration of carbon dioxide at the same time in the atmosphere eclipsed 415 parts per million for the first time in human history. But why worry? It is much more fun to pretend that Barack Obama's administration unlawfully spied on the 2016 Trump campaign, as he would like you to believe, and uh, his new attorney general and personal fixer, Bill Barr, would like you to believe. 
He seems now to be pretending to confirm Trump's claims by asking the U.S. attorney in Connecticut to look into why the FBI and DOJ found it necessary to begin a counterintelligence probe of Trump's campaign when they thought back in 2016 that it might be either infiltrated or compromised by what was considered a hostile foreign government. But, by the way, Trump's own FBI director, Christopher Wray, sees no evidence that the FBI or DOJ, quote, spied on the campaign, as Trump and Barr are pretending. So Trump is now attacking his own FBI director, Christopher Wray, the one that he hired after firing the previous one, James Comey, uh, in among the uh, first of Donald Trump's unlawful attempts to obstruct the counterintelligence investigation that was ongoing. So, uh, yeah, that's that. So those are uh, things you're probably hearing around uh, hearing about constantly on the in the media, on the cable news. But back to the things you need to hear about, but most likely have not heard about. As Jason Same now of the Capital Weather Gang reports today on the record warmth in the Arctic and the record concentration of CO2 in our atmosphere. By themselves, he writes, these are just data points, but taken together with so many indicators of an altered atmosphere and rising temperatures, they blend into the unmistakable portrait of human-induced climate change. Saturday's steamy 84-degree reading was posted in uh, Arkhangelsk, Russia. Oh, Russia, where the average high temperature is around 54 degrees this time of year. But on Saturday... 84 degrees. Beach weather, only in the Arctic. In Konyas, a rural area to the east of Arkhangelsk, it was even hotter on Sunday, soaring to 87 degrees. That's 31 degrees Celsius for those of you uh, not listening in this country. Many locations in Russia, from the Kazakhstan border to the White Sea, set record high temperatures over the weekend, some 30 to 40 degrees Fahrenheit above average. That's around 20 Celsius above average. This particular heat wave, same now writes, fits into what has been an unusually warm year across the Arctic and most of the mid-latitudes, especially near Alaska. Although they call it unusually warm at this rate is uh, somewhat questionable. I'll get to that in a moment. In Alaska, he writes, for example, several rivers saw winter ice break up at their earliest dates ever recorded. In Greenland, the ice sheet melt uh, the ice sheets melt season began about one month early, a full month early before the ice sheets uh, started to melt this year. Data from the Japan Meteorological Agency shows that April was the second warmest April on record for the entire planet. These changes, he writes, all have occurred against the backdrop of unremitting increases in carbon dioxide, which has now crossed another symbolic threshold. Saturday's carbon dioxide measurement of 415 parts per million at Hawaii's Mauna Loa Observatory is the highest in at least... 800,000 years and probably more than 3 million years. Carbon dioxide levels have risen nearly 50% since the Industrial Revolution. 
Now, uh, that uh, organization, that environmental organization, I'm sure you've heard about, called 350.org, uh, fighting uh, the uh, 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 climate crisis here. 350.org is named... Why? I'll let Desi sell, to, uh, explain why. Why is it named 350.org? 350.org is named 350.org because that is the place where the CO2 concentrations in the atmosphere were before the industrial age began. In other words, 350.org is the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere of human evolution that made human evolution even possible and for human society to flourish. 350 parts per million. We are now up to 415 parts per million. And I remember when crossing the 400 threshold just a couple of years ago when that was big news. Uh, carbon dioxide, if you have not heard, is a greenhouse gas, along with the uh, rise of several other heat-trapping gases. It is the primary cause of climate warming in recent decades. Scientists have concluded, in fact, uh, it is the uh, gr these greenhouse gases are the uh, reason for climate warming in recent decades. Science uh, scientists have concluded this. They have not guessed it. They have not speculated it. They have not theorized, but they have concluded. We know why all of this is occurring, what we all do about it as a nation, as a civilization, and whether it will be soon enough to avoid the worst impacts of the climate emergency that is already occurring. That remains the only real unknown here. 18 of the 19 warmest years on record for the planet have occurred since the year 2000. Let me say that again. 18 of the 19 warmest years on record for the planet have occurred since 2000. And let me once again, let me check my notes here. We are at 2019. That's the year we're at now, right? Yep. So of those years since 2000, of those 19 years, 18 of them have been uh, among the 19 warmest ever. And uh, we keep observing these highly unusual and often record-breaking high temperatures constantly now, which I will proudly note Desi Doyen has been reporting, I might even say yelling and screaming about, on our Green News report for over a decade now, though I guess I do most of the yelling and screaming. <laughs> Uh, you do uh, the uh, calmly fact-based reporting that everyone needs to hear. Uh, those records uh, will not stop anytime soon, Same Now points out, uh, but cuts to greenhouse emissions would eventually slow them down, and that seems like a very good idea. Much uh, more such good ideas just like that. And some bad news to encourage some of those good ideas coming up a bit later in our latest Green News report. With Desi Doyen, or, or we could spend time uh, pretending that the only two female Muslims in Congress, both who happen to be Democratic, are anti-Semites, which they aren't. But it's fun when our anti-Semitic, uh, Islamophobic, racist president, his party spends time pretending that they are, and the corporate media helps echo those pretend claims by talking about that instead of actual, actual threats to life in this country and life on this planet, like Desi Doyen and I talk about. We do try. But at least folks on the Democratic side of the 2020 presidential uh, contest are now talking about it, so there's that. In fact, sometimes they are even yelling and screaming about it, just like Desi. <laughs> the issue of how aggressively to tackle climate change has emerged as an early test of 
Joe Biden's ability to navigate a Democratic presidential primary process heavily influenced by liberal and progressive activists while simultaneously positioning himself as his party's best shot at winning back more moderate voters who helped elect Donald Trump, according to Washington Post today. The tension was on display on Monday night as a large crowd of activists repeatedly booed references to a report that the former vice president would seek a, quote, middle ground on what they consider a defining issue among the crowded Democratic field. At a rally for the Green New Deal attended by about 1,500 activists at Howard University, Speaker after speaker criticized Joe Biden's reported position, which Reuters attributed to a campaign advisor, not to the candidate himself. Very important distinction. Well, it is. He has since Biden has since pushed back against that report. He has promised uh, a major speech later this month outlining his environmental priorities. We will all be looking forward to that. And right there, whether you like Biden or not, whether you think he's too centrist or feel that uh, feel that way about any of the other Democratic candidates, let me note, because I don't have a dog in this hunt right now, but let me note that uh, folks like Biden, Democrats, they respond to pushback. They respond to progressive activism. You have a chance to force them into the correct position if they are in the White House. You have no such chance with President Wingnut Crazy Pants in office, either now or, God forbid, in a second term. So keep that in mind. Pretty please. Biden's pushback, uh, however, according to the Post, uh, did little to to uh, to quell concerns among those who attended the uh, the event at Howard University that was organized by the Sunrise Movement that included uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, who is also seeking the Democratic presidential nomination and Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who is not seeking the presidential Democratic nomination, but only because she's too young. Otherwise, uh, because she is a Democrat, I'm sure she would also be running for president like every other Democrat in Congress, though maybe I'm overstating it a little. Just a little. Just a little, but not much. Ocasio-Cortez, who is neutral in the presidential race, uh, has repeatedly teamed up with Sanders for different events and different purposes. She also went after Biden in her speech without using his name after she criticized, quote, conservatives in both parties who did not have a a comprehensive plan to transition from fossil fuels. And when an audience member shouted, quote, no middle ground, she responded, no middle ground is right and added that she would be damned if the same politicians who refused to act earlier come back today and say we need a middle-of-the-road approach to save our lives. When they say that calling for a Green New Deal is, quote, too much or too extreme or too radical, no middle ground ground is right. Here's what's too much for me. What's too much for me is politicians looking and allowing babies' blood to get poisoned in flint for corporate profits. That is what is too much for me. What's too much for me 
What's too much for me is coal barons coming up to Washington, D.C., demanding bailout after tax break, after bailout for themselves, and then not even paying their own miners' pensions and put their own miners' health care. That is what is too much for me. That is too much for me. What is too much for me is the fact that ExxonMobil knew exactly that climate change was real and man-made as far back as 1970, and instead of being part of the solution, they paid millions of dollars to lobby and lie and confuse the American public about it, endangering generations to come. That is too much for me. What is too much for me is the fact that in 1989, the year that I was born, the year that I was born, the year that many of us were born, and, and in years after and right before, that politicians were first informed by NASA, that Congress was first notified by NASA that climate change was going to threaten my life and everyone here's life to come, and they did nothing. That is too much for me. And I will be damned if the same politicians who refuse to act then are going to try to come back today and say we need a middle-of-the-road middle approach to save our lives. That is too much for me. That's Aunt Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, speaking at the Green New Deal rally at Howard University on Monday night, the rally took place just hours after Joe Biden appeared at a campaign event in New Hampshire. Yeah, and I just want to jump in yeah. and say the reason why there is no middle ground on this is because a middle ground would be scientifically inadequate. It is not a political thing. It is not some kind of, you know, bludgeon to hit somebody with. It is simply not sufficient to avoid climate catastrophe. Biden uh, responded, in, in a sense, uh, to the reports. Again, it was from a campaign advisor, not from him, talking about finding a middle ground. He responded uh, to those reports himself at, uh, in New Hampshire at a campaign event uh, where he uh, spoke about some of this criticism of his record on climate, uh, suggesting that the Reuters story was, quote, dead wrong. And here's what else he said. I'm going to be laying out a major speech in detail by the end of the month on my specific pieces of the environment. We need an environmental re revolution. I said back in 1987 on a floor speech when they passed one of my bills on this, I said we have an existential threat. We are in a situation where if we don't act quickly, we're going to basically lose almost everything we have. And that's exactly the case. It's even more urgent now. We do need... We do need to finish this green revolution in a way that's rational. We can do it, afford it, and get it done now. Finish? Finish this green revolution? I'd be happy if we started it. <laughs> Indeed. Is that asking too much? And the part about affording it, we can't afford not to do it. So I think he's going to have to figure out how to how to thread that needle. Well, he's he says he's been saying that for years. He says uh, the Washington Post record, uh, reports him as saying that there's no one who's been stronger and more effective on this on climate and the environment than me. Nobody, he said. Uh, and he said uh, that uh, back at the time when he uh, passed this bill in 1986 on uh, on climate, 
He said at the time, life on this planet exists only under the most highly specialized circumstances. Indeed, so specialized are those circumstances that even a small rise in temperature could disrupt the entire complicated environment that has nurtured us and uh, as we know it. And he added, I got highly criticized for saying that at the time as being as it being an exaggeration. It was no exaggeration. So it's unclear how close Biden's new plan, whatever it turns out to be, will come to the goals that are embodied in the Green New Deal, which was introduced by Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts that uh, envisions the United States working to achieve net zero, net zero greenhouse gas emissions within a decade, while also guaranteeing Americans high paying jobs and high quality health care. And just want to clarify, it's not net zero on 2030. It's being on the path, the 10 year mobilization to be on the path to net zero as soon as possible, no later than 2050. That by then is when all airplanes and cows will be banned, <laughs> right? That's no, they, it says nothing of the kind. On Fox News. No, Fox News lies. Oh. Uh, early polling, of course, has shown Biden with a, a big lead currently among the the huge Democratic field, both nationally and in the early nominating states. So a lot of folks are uh, focusing on uh, on Biden. Uh, but Varshini Prakash, the uh, executive director of the Sunrise Movement, which held this uh, this uh, event on Monday, argued that Biden's strength could fade if Democratic voters believe his climate policies are lacking. Prakash said it's early. Most of the support he's, he's uh, receiving is because he just announced and because he has such close ties to Barack Obama as people get used to the idea of President Joe Instead of Uncle Joe, and they take a look at the different candidates' policies, he says, I think you'll see some different polls. Bernie Sanders, for his part, also spoke at Monday night's rally in Washington. He did not criticize Biden by name, but he criticized candidates with a, te a tepid commitment to fighting climate change. It is necessary for us to understand that we have an overall economy that is rigged and a political system that is corrupt. And this is an issue we just cannot ignore. A lot of people say, well, I I'm, I'm, want to combat climate change, but you know, I don't want to take on the fossil fuel industry. That is not the way it happens. No, it is not the way it happens. Sanders uh, took more direct aim at Biden last week after that Reuters report was first published with the uh, campaign staffer suggesting that Biden was seeking a, quote, middle ground on the issue. Sanders tweeted in response, quote, there is no middle ground when it comes to climate policy. If we don't commit to fully transforming our energy system away from fossil fuels, we will doom future generations. And he's not wrong. Other 2020 hopefuls uh, also referred critically to that Reuters report on social media, uh, trying to distinguish themselves from Biden. Uh, for example, Washington Governor Jay Inslee, who has put 
Climate change at the center of his presidential bid said middle ground approaches and half measures won't cut it. We need a large scale national mobilization to defeat climate change and grow millions of jobs in a clean energy economy. And I got to tell you, this is one of the reasons why I love democracy, uh, because this is being had out. This conversation is being had. This debate is being had year after year. Des, we have talked on this program and on the on the Green News Report how the presidential candidates weren't even talking about these issues. They were talking about them somewhat on the Democratic side during the primaries, but not in the actual general election. Whether any of this makes its way into the general election remains to be seen. But frankly, I don't see how it how it can't be at yeah. this point, given all of this conversation uh, and the requirements that, uh, you know, many of these uh, candidates are being held to uh, supporting the Green New Deal. How can you endorse that? And then not talk about it during a general election. Exactly. It's something that differentiates the Democrats from Republicans. And moreover, Americans uh, polling shows are are very strongly aware now that climate change is real. It's happening to them right now and they want something done about it. So I don't think Democrats can go wrong with campaigning on climate change and the Green New Deal. And I think it's also remarkable that the Green New Deal resolution by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has not only changed the conversation here in the United States, but it's also changed it in Europe and in Australia and in other countries that are right now also going through election cycles. Indeed. And we do talk about some of that on our on our GNR coming up in a bit. Uh, but on Monday night, the uh, the Post reports that some in this crowd at this rally were suggesting that a plan from Biden that falls short of the Green New Deal itself would be disappointing. However, not necessarily a deal breaker. One voter that uh, an 18 year old student at Johns Hopkins who was uh, supporting uh, looks like supporting Sanders and, uh, and Ocasio-Cortez said that if Biden is the nominee and he never supported or never signed a pledge to support the Green New Deal, it would be a tough vote for him. Uh, she said, but I would do it. I guess we just have to put pressure on him in the White House. Correct. But the news is you can. You cannot put pressure on President Conman Crazy Pants, who is currently in the White House, who is fighting to keep himself and his family out of jail, even as the planet burns. And with more than 20 candidates now vying for the Democratic nod, hey, why not a 22nd? Montana Governor Steve Bullock announced on Tuesday that he is now seeking the Democratic presidential nomination. He's distinguishing himself among some two dozen candidates in the field as the only statewide elected official to win a state that President Donald Trump carried in 2016. In fact, Trump is said to have carried that state of Montana by some 20 points in 2016. Nonetheless, that same year, on that same ballot, Steve Bullock won re-election with his lieutenant governor, Mike Cooney, while every other statewide race on the ballot went to Republicans by a mile. According to a September 2016 survey by Morning Consult, Bullock had a 66% approval rating in 2016 and just a 19% disapproval rating in Montana. As a Democrat, he was at the time, in fact, the most popular Democratic governor in the U.S. 
He's 53 years old. He's uh, said to be running, according to AP, as a centrist Democrat who has advanced party values while navigating a Republican legislature and a GOP-leaning electorate. He told the Associated Press in an interview before launching his campaign via online video titled Fair Shot that what we need to do is get this country back on track, make sure everybody has a fair shot at success. He opens his ad with a drawing of a uh, mineral-rich mountain range in Montana from 100 or so years ago, followed by a shot of what is now a toxic cesspool uh, that it would eventually become due to this mining Referencing the corrupt politicians in Montana's past, the state's decades-long fight to maintain its own strict laws against corporate money in politics, which came out of those 100-year-old scandals before the uh, U.S. Supreme Court's Citizens United ruling, undermined Montana's own campaign laws in its own state. Uh, He talks about that at the top of his uh, video here before he then goes on to uh, take on Donald Trump in the ad. About 100 years ago, this was the richest hill on earth. The men who owned it were called kings. With their money, they bought politicians, attacked unions, exploited workers, and left us with a toxic reminder of what happens when our democracy is put up for sale. Today we see evidence of a corrupt system all across America a government that serves campaign money, not the people. After the Citizens United decision, a lot of folks said game over. But as Attorney General, I refused to give up without a fight. Every single state in the union abandoned its own corporate spending regulations after Citizens United, except for one, except for Montana. Attorney General Steve Bullock has personally fought to keep Montana's elections laws the way they are. And when we lost, I found another way. The Honorable Steve Bullock, governor of the great state of Montana. As a Democrat governor of a state that Trump won by 20 points, I don't have the luxury of just talking to people who agree with me. You are a Democratic governor in that state who's pro-choice, you're for marriage equality, you've expanded Medicaid, you've expanded spending on education, you've protected the environment from corporate interests. I go all across our state's 147,000 square miles and look for common ground to get things done. That's how I was able to bring Democrats and Republicans together to fight dark money and pass one of the strongest campaign finance laws in the country. The bill is a way to prevent dark money groups from controlling an election. And if we can kick the Koch brothers out of Montana, we sure as hell could kick them out of every place in the country. Look, to be honest, I never thought I'd be running for president. Raised by a single mom, we struggled just to get by. I only knew there was a governor's house in town because I delivered newspapers to it. Now my wife, Lisa, and I are raising our kids in that same house. I believe in an America where every child has a fair shot to do better than their parents. But we all know that that kind of opportunity no longer exists for most people. Far too many, it never has. That's why we need to defeat Donald Trump in 2020 and defeat the corrupt system that lets campaign money drown out the people's voice so we can finally make good on the promise of a fair shot for everyone. This is the fight of our time. It's been the fight of my career. I'm Steve Bullock, and I'm running for president. With your help, we will take our democracy back. So there you go. Steve Bullock, the 22nd Democrat to jump into the uh, 2020 race. 
and in fact, you know, we had been covering, I'd been covering for years at brandblog.com and here on the show, Montana really was trying to hang on after Citizens United with their, uh, you know, no corporate money uh, statutes. And uh, this was challenged, and in fact, it was gutted by the Supreme Court, by Citizens United. Um, and Bullock has since put himself to the task to try to overcome that, at least in Montana, and he has been uh, very popular in the bargain for doing so. He's pitching himself as the rare Democrat who can win over rural and small-town voters, like those who are said to have helped Trump uh, flip key battleground states in 2016. He's done it three times himself in Montana, where uh, Hillary Clinton got just 36 percent of the vote against Trump in 2016. And yet on that same ballot, Steve Bullock won his uh, second term. So it would uh, make for a hell of an interesting map to see states like Montana, Montana go blue in 2020. At that point, I guess all bets are off. Uh, Bullock has, in fact, expanded Medicaid insurance coverage to um, Montana's 1.6 million, uh, 1.06 million residents as part of the 2010 Affordable Care Act. He embraced marriage equality for same-sex couples. He's used executive orders to extend LGBTQ rights and protect net neutrality. And he's vetoed gun bills that have been backed by the NRA and measures that would have severely limited abortion access. So when, you know, he's described as uh, running as a centrist, well, okay, uh, if if you say so, but there's a lot of very progressive positions that he has, in fact, taken uh, for Montana's. He's spent years advocating for tighter regulation of money and politics, uh, unsuccessfully, as I said, challenging the Supreme Court Citizens United ruling as attorney general. And then as governor, he signed a Montana law that requires dark money groups operating in the state to disclose their donors. Last year, he sued the IRS over the Trump administration rule change that stops requiring the disclosure of donor information from those uh, nonprofit dark money organizations. He's aligned himself with conservationists, environmental activists and outdoorsmen, prioritizing public land use and conservation. Uh, but he's also been at odds with them at times as the leader of an energy producing state, such as when he criticized the Obama administration for, quote, moving the goalposts by proposing stringent CO2 emissions reductions uh, under the now-defunct Clean Power Plan. All of those things said, it would be great if he thought about maybe running for the Senate. Exactly what a lot of Democrats are saying. Uh, or for a voiceover artist, by the way. He's got a beautiful voice, <laughs> I, I notice. Uh, yeah, some Democrats are hoping he would uh, challenge uh, U.S. Uh, Senator Steve Daines in 2020, but Bullock insisted uh, Tuesday he's focused solely on the presidential race. Senator Brian Schatz of, of Hawaii said uh, regarding a hypothetical Senate race between Bullock and Danes, uh, which could help flip the Senate to blue in 2020. He says this is the one that could change the game. Yeah. He's not the only Democrat that would uh, that many would like to see running for the Senate instead of running for president. I know many would have liked to have seen uh, presidential uh, candidate Beto O'Rourke take on Senator John Cornyn yep. in Texas. 
uh, presidential candidate John Hickenlooper for Colorado's former governor take on instead the very vulnerable Republican Senator Cory Gardner next year. Many are still hoping that Georgia's Stacey Abrams, who is said to be considering getting into the presidential race as well, that she would run against Georgia's Republican Senator David Perdue, though she said a few weeks ago she does not plan to do so and that she's still considering running for president as the second African-American woman in the would be the second African-American woman in the race, along with California's Kamala Harris. Uh, But, you know, everybody's got to be president. I guess they're looking at Donald Trump. They see that, uh, well, hell, anybody apparently can become president. If he can, so can I. Yeah, but the Senate is, uh, yeah. the the Republicans have a 53... 53-47. Um, uh, correct. And yep. you just named four people. Yep. Four people that if they ran had a very good chance of changing that to the opposite. Yep. But that's not yet where we are. We'll see. Correct. Some of these people may be able to still get in the Senate race, uh, you know, depending on when they realize they are not going to win the nomination for president. In any event, now we're up to 22 and as I mentioned on yesterday's show, uh, for those who have may, may have seen uh, the Veep series finale over the weekend, no spoilers here, but I really hope <laughs> that what we saw is not what we will see at next year's Democratic presidential convention. But with 22 in the race, oi, that could happen. Uh, anyway, is, uh, is, is it important to win over those red state voters like, you know, Steve Bullock is talking about doing in Montana, somehow winning them over? And is that needed to win the 2020 presidential race? Is it even possible? Is it even possible to win back some of those folks who voted Democratic most of their lives only to vote for Donald Trump in 2016? Given the number of progressive leaning voters that don't vote at all or are prevented from doing so in one way or another or prevented from having their votes counted as cast, is the time and resources better spent making sure that those folks actually vote and have their votes counted as cast rather than winning over so-called centrists? Or Fox News folks? I don't know the answer to that, but let's take a quick break and we'll come back to talk about that a little bit more. Progressive Elizabeth Warren, presidential candidate as well. She has some thoughts on that. And uh, so does, well, I don't know if I'll get to it now, but uh, so does AOC. Did I mention she's too young to run for president? (laughs) Anyway, much more ahead one way or another. This is the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. But there's no sound that no one knows. What does the fuck say? Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We are so partisanized and balkanized as a country that pretty much nothing will change people's opinion 
about what uh, Mar- about who Marcus Molitsis, better known as Coast, the founder of Daily Coast, describes as Putin's puppet in the White House. Not even economic devastation will move the needle, he argued yesterday at Daily Coast. He uh, he points to South Dakota. He quotes the state's Republican governor, Kristi Noem, who noted back in February of this year, quote, South Dakota has been devastated by the trade wars that are going on. Farmers are used to risk, but uh, they're used to prices going up and down and having that. But this sustained low commodity prices, frankly, is driving a lot of family businesses out of business. She was talking back in February about the cost of Donald Trump's trade wars uh, and the devastation that it has been having on the uh, on, on farmers in the state. And this was back in February before China threatened this week to respond to Trump's new tariffs on imported Chinese goods by cutting off all agricultural purchases from the U.S., which Coase notes means that the pain is only going to increase for folks in farm states like South Dakota. And the source of that pain is clear, he says, a bumbling Trump administration that can't muzzle Trump's Twitter account, making it impossible to conduct actual diplomacy and negotiations. But do South Dakota residents care? Well, he says they don't care. They will march off a cliff for Trump. So just a regular reminder, he says, we won't win in 2020 by trying to appeal to people utterly lost in Fox News land. We will win by turning out our core base demographics, young voters, voters of color and women. Now, I don't know if he's right or not, frankly, but I think it's a worthwhile question to ask, particularly on a day that popular Democratic Montana Governor Steve Bullock jumps into the presidential race after winning a second term as governor in the so-called red state of Montana on the same day and on the same ballot where Donald Trump defeated Hillary Clinton by 20 points back in 2016. Coase then goes on to show a map uh, of the country with with farm states, uh, despite the devastation that farmers have received thanks to Trump's trade wars. And yet those states are still supporting Trump, with the exception of Iowa, by the way, where he notes that Iowa Democrats were, in fact, competitive in 2018. They picked up three of four House seats. They lost the fourth one very narrowly. Uh, so three out of four House races went to Democrats. Picking, They also picked up the state auditor's seat. They held the treasurer and attorney general seat. They came up just short in the governor's race, the secretary of state's race, and the agriculture commissioner's race. But everything was close. Iowa has become a rare outlier, he says, Marco says, in American politics, uh, a nearly all-white, 91% white, battleground state. But even there, the trade war doesn't appear to be having an effect on Trump's numbers, he notes, despite the devastating effects it's having in the state. He argues uh, with a graph uh, that shows that uh, Trump's approval ratings in the states are staying almost exactly at 50 percent, with disapproval at 46 percent over the past year, despite all of the scandals and disasters wrought by Trump that uh, folks in Iowa are having to deal with. He argues public opinion is locked in. No one will be changing their mind in the next year and a half. Again, don't know if that's the case. 
And I think a lot can change between now and then based on all sorts of issues with with Trump himself and his exposure to all sorts of high crimes and misdemeanors between now and then, not to mention whatever effect it will have uh, once a, a Democratic nominee is actually chosen. But Elizabeth Warren had some thoughts along those lines on Twitter today. Uh, She has turned down the offer to participate in a town hall on Fox News, saying that she would take a hard pass on what she describes as the, quote, hate for profit racket. In a Twitter thread this morning, she writes, I love town halls. I've done more than 70 since January, and I'm glad to have a television audience be a part of them. Fox News has invited me to do a town hall, but I am turning them down. Here's why, she says. Fox News is a hate-for-profit racket that gives a megaphone to racists and conspiracists. It's designed to turn us against each other, risking life and death consequences to provide cover for the corruption that is rotting our government and hollowing out our middle class. Hate-for-profit works only if there's profit. So Fox News balances a mix of bigotry, racism, and outright lies with enough legit journalism to make the claim to advertisers that it's a reputable news outlet. Those advertisers are pretty stupid if they fall for it, but that's the argument that Warren is making. She says it's all about dragging in ad money, big ad money. But Fox News is struggling As more and more advertisers pull out of their hate-filled space, a Democratic town hall gives the Fox News sales team a way to tell potential sponsors that it's safe to buy ads on Fox, no harm to their brand or reputation. She adds, spoiler, it's not. She writes, here's one place where we can fight back. I won't ask millions of Democratic primary voters to tune in to an outlet that profits from racism and hate in order to see our candidates, especially when Fox will make even more money adding our valuable audience to their ratings numbers. She says, I'm running a campaign to reach all Americans. I take questions from the press and voters everywhere I go. I've already held town halls in 17 states and Puerto Rico, including West Virginia, Ohio, Georgia, Utah, Tennessee, Texas, Colorado, Mississippi and Alabama. Those are not exactly so-called blue states. She says, I've done 57 media avails and 131 interviews, taking over 1,100 questions from the press just since January. Fox News is welcome to come to my events just like any other uh, any other outlet. But a Fox News town hall adds money to the hate for profit machine to which I say hard pass. Well, good for her. Uh, So far, her uh, fellow 2020 candidates, uh, Bernie Sanders and Amy Klobuchar, have attended Fox News town halls. South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Senator uh, Kirsten uh, Gillibrand are scheduling. They are already scheduled to do a Fox News town hall in the future. So I don't know if I agree with uh, Warren's strategy here. You have thoughts on that, Des? Well, I will say that I admired Bernie's courage and his ability to go on the Fox News town hall and actually answer the uh, trumped-up questions, pun intended, that the Fox News folks were asking. But I will note that Media Matters reported that right after his town hall, Mm -hmm. they immediately began bashing him and Mm -hmm. lying about what he said and what his policies actually are. 
Well, that's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, so I I, I greatly respect uh, Elizabeth Warren and her position here and standing on that principle. Uh, whether it is a good election strategy, I do not know. Uh, but if I could open up the phones to discuss this today with you, I would. Uh, but alas, our uh, KPFK is on Fun Drive here this week. So phone calls to 818-985-5735. We'll, uh, we'll just lead you to our Fun Drive staff, who would be delighted to hear from you, by the way. <laughs> Yes, they uh, in any event, please tell them the broadcast sent you. But uh, anyway, uh, feel free to write me at broadcast at bradblog.com or tweet me at the Brad blog with your thoughts on this. I'd love to hear them. I'm of several minds, as I say. I understand why Bernie went on. What's so funny? What did I say? <laughs> of several minds. Well, I am on I this know. one. I- it's, it's a difficult, it's a sticky wicket. As my grandmother would say. Uh, I should note, Bernie, you know, won over a lot of folks, I think, with his call for Medicare for all and health care as a human right, not a privilege when he appeared on Fox News, no matter what they said about him afterwards. Uh, I have done it myself, appeared on uh, Fox News uh, more often there, by the way, than I've been on MSNBC, but only because Fox has invited me more often to do so. I used to remember taking a lot of criticism for for doing that, for going on the radio with Ann Coulter. Well, you know what? That ended up in a big headline when Ann Coulter left halfway through the radio appearance because she wasn't used to talking about somebody who under who actually knows facts about stuff. So, uh, you know, I speak to them because I think reaching people with real information who don't usually get it on Fox News is an important thing to do, although I do understand Warren's. Uh, I did turn down one invite recently, not for Fox, but for some wingnut radio show where it was clear that he's, you know, does nothing but serve as a misinformationist, a propaganda outlet with lies and nonsense. But I don't think most I don't think most Fox viewers are stupid. A lot of them are, but most of them, I don't think they most of them are. I believe they're brainwashed and they're brain poisoned and they need to be deprogrammed. Uh, But I also do sympathize with Warren here on not lending her credibility uh, and with it uh, the profit that goes with it to uh, the illegitimate GOP propaganda channel that calls itself Fox News. But I'd love to hear from you on that. Bradcast at bradblog.com or on the Facebooks and Twitters at the Brad blog. Uh, Keep those notes short and maybe a little bit later in the week we will have uh, time to share some of them. Maybe. We'll see. Right now, we have time only for a break and the Green News Report. Coming up next with Desi Doy and I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today.
without a guest today, Desi Doyen. I still managed to run way too late. I know. There's just too much. Uh, there is. There continues to be. So let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. There will be some sacrifice on the part of Americans. I grant you that. Trump's escalating trade war hits U.S. natural gas industry. The Arctic is at the forefront of opportunity and abundance. Administration ICE's Arctic Council declaration over climate change wording. Houston on high alert, facing a flooding deja vu from a storm system stretching down the entire Gulf Coast. Houston floods again as the U.S. just saw its wettest year on record. Plus, I am declaring that there is a climate emergency and Scotland will live up to our responsibility to tackle it. UK and Scotland ratchet up climate action. Fakest accent I've ever heard. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The Green New Deal. If you knew nothing else about the Green New Deal, you now know that everyone's talking about it and it was booed at a Trump rally. Therefore, it is A, famous, and B, probably good. (laughs) It is also a fake accent, by the way. This is your Green News Report. Well, okay, Desi Doyen, I guess we have to say once again, Houston... We have a problem. Yes, indeed we do. Over the weekend, the city of Houston, Texas, was again under a flood emergency, but not from a hurricane, just the latest string of storms dumping torrential rains that overwhelm the city's flood control infrastructure. It's part of the new normal of extreme precipitation in dozens of states this spring. And NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, on Monday announced that the last 12 months in the United States were the wettest in recorded history Mm. for the lower 48. That will be no surprise to folks in the mid-Atlantic and especially the upper Midwest states who have been hammered with deluges and floods, costing billions of dollars in damages amid persistent historic flooding. With the Mississippi River above flood stage for more than a month. Actually, 40 days. 40 days now. Wow. Noah also announced that the last four years in the lower 48 states have been the warmest in U.S. history. None of this Sounds like good news. Well, here's more not good news. <laughs> President Trump's escalation of his bitter tariff trade war with China, including steep new tariffs on imported Chinese goods, has pushed China to retaliate. On Monday, China said it will slap higher tariffs on a broad swath of U.S. agriculture products and a whopping 25 percent tariff on U.S. liquefied natural gas. Uh-oh. Energy analysts say that is a big blow to the U.S. fracking industry, especially in deep red Trump-supporting states like Texas and Oklahoma. But despite the fact that Trump's escalation is further harming U.S. farmers and U.S. energy companies, on CBS, Republican Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas minimized that with a bizarre false equivalency. There will be some sacrifice on the part of Americans, I grant you that. But I also would say that that sacrifice is pretty minimal compared to the sacrifices that our soldiers make overseas, that our fallen heroes who are laid to rest in Arlington make. So he's saying that because nobody's dying here, we should be... Perfectly cool with this? Yes. Wow. These guys will say anything to cover for Donald Trump. 
Meanwhile, Trump administration Secretary of State Mike Pompeo last week killed a joint accord with member nations of the Arctic Council, rejecting wording on a joint declaration calling man-made climate change a serious threat to the Arctic. The Arctic is warming twice as fast as the rest of the planet, with melting sea ice creating potential new global security flashpoints over its rich natural resources. Pompeo didn't say climate change, but he was practically gleeful about its new opportunities for plunder. The Arctic is at the forefront of opportunity and abundance. It houses 13% of the world's undiscovered oil, 30% of its undiscovered gas, and an abundance of uranium, rare earth minerals, gold, diamonds, and millions of square miles of untapped resources. He's just giddy. He just cannot wait to plunder and exploit the previously pristine Arctic. Not to mention making climate change even worse. Oh, yeah, there's that. Finally, there is some good news. Despite the Trump administration's aggressive climate denial, in recent weeks, Britain, Ireland and Scotland have all officially declared climate emergencies, symbolic resolutions of intent to speed up efforts to achieve zero carbon emissions. Oh, great. Our good news is a climate emergency. In a fiery speech, Scotland's first minister, Nicola Sturgeon, credited recent Extinction Rebellion protests and the student climate strike from school for inspiring their action. Our obligations to the next generation are the most important that we carry. As First Minister of Scotland, I am declaring that there is a climate emergency and Scotland will live up to our responsibility to tackle it. Well, at least somebody's willing to live up to the responsibility. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. So when you need me, darling, can't you hear me? SOS. SOS indeed. Uh, good for uh, Scotland and the UK. And de- Ireland. And Ireland declaring a uh, national, wait, what is a it? Climate, climate emergency. emergency. That's it's exactly. similar to the idea of a Green New Deal. It's, it says, let's get moving. There's an idea. Let's get moving. Uh, we got to get moving. I got to get out of this show today <laughs> after the uh, fastest moving hour in radio history, says me. Uh, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of this show or any other, you can download all of them for free anytime at bradblog.com. That is in no small part thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate and sign up for a sustaining subscription of any amount you like. That is what helps us stay on your public airwaves because for some reason the fossil fuel industry just won't support us. I don't know why they won't buy any ads on the broadcast, no matter how long, how much we try. Uh, but we do have you, so we don't need them. Bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. I will see you there, and we will see you here tomorrow on the next thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. So